I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Lurkers, welcome to episode 37. In today's episode, we will be talking about the mysterious disappearance of Rosemary Teresa Kunst. But first, I want to give you a reminder that if you have any paranormal stories that you'd like to include for next week's episode, please make sure you get those into me today, the 17th, or tomorrow, the 18th. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter than usual but not because I slacked off with the research. There's just honestly not much information out there on this case, which makes it even more of a mystery, really. As I said, today's episode is about the disappearance of Rosemary Teresa Kunst. She went missing August 18th, 2000. This case is included in the Missing 411 books as a mysterious and unexplained disappearance. The missing 411 phenomena was coined by former police detective David Polides, who uncovered some cases that seemed to share a certain set of criteria. We've covered a couple of these cases already. Um, Episode 4 is the Dennis Martin case. Episode 20 is the Jared Adadero case. And episode 31 is the Carl Landers case. So, because we've discussed the missing 411 phenomena previously, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the criteria involved with those cases. Definitely go back and listen to those episodes if you have not already done so. They're actually some of our more popular episodes. Um, Missing 411 seems to be very popular. So back in episode 31, where we covered the disappearance of Carl Landers, I mentioned that there was another case near Mount Shasta, and that I would cover that in the near future. This is that case. If you haven't already done so, I would recommend listening to episode 31, which is, as I said, the Carl Landers case, and it also includes a couple other mysterious disappearances from uh, Mount Shasta in California. And then part two of that, which is episode 32, part two covers the weird stuff that happens in the Mount Shasta area. That includes UFOs, Bigfoot, and mystic beings that live inside the mountain. So definitely, if you haven't already, I recommend listening to those episodes in conjunction with this one. For this episode, I used various newspaper articles as well as David Polides' book, Missing 411, Western United States and Canada. As always, don't go to Amazon to look for these books. Mr. Polides sells these himself on his own website. The website is canammissing.com. That's C-A-N-A-M missing.com. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, or you can go and find um, on our Facebook page, I shared a link that 
Mr. Polites had shared on his Missing 411 page, you can find that link there as well. So, Rosemary Teresa Kunst was born November 1st, 1929, in San Francisco, California. She wasn't a very big woman. She was only five foot three and 122 pounds. In 1950, she married Charles Bud Kunst, and together they had six children and 11 grandchildren. Bud and Rosemary lived in San Anselmo, California, and they were both very active and enjoyed the outdoors. Rosemary worked as a licensed family and marriage counselor. In October 1998, tragedy struck. Rosemary and her husband Bud were in a serious car accident. Her husband Bud died and Rosemary was left battling for her life. She worked very hard to overcome her injuries and in 2000 she was finally back to the energy level she had prior to the accident. Not surprisingly, she struggled with the loss of her husband and sought ways to try to feel close to his spirit. This led her to the Earth Circle Organization in Wairika, California. The Earth Circle Organization was run by Charles Redhawk Tom, who was a Korok chief and elder who was also raised as a medicine man. Charlie Tom was a World War II veteran, then a logger, until an injury forced him to retire from that work. He was then a professor of Native Studies at Humboldt State University and was instrumental in saving Mount Shasta from becoming a commercial ski resort. He eventually started the Earth Circle Organization. The Earth Circle Organization taught Native American spiritualism and environmental practices, and they carried out spiritual ceremonies at Spirit Lake in the Marble Mountain Wilderness annually. There was an altar built at the lake where the members of the Earth Circle Organization would call to the gods and perform a spirit dance. Drumming, singing, and dancing were all involved. In August of 2000, Rosemary, who was a very spiritual person, joined in on their annual backpacking trip in order to gather Native American medicine and listen to the Great Spirit's teachings and be rejuvenated. She was looking forward to the trip and was excited to be going. On August 17, 2000, a group of around 20 people, led by Charlie Redhawk Tom, headed out on a 12-mile hike to the small oval-shaped mountain lake area known as Wooly Creek. The group included a cook and horses used to bring tents, food, and other equipment to the camping spot. The area where the retreat was located is in the Marble Mountain Wilderness. This area was designated as a primitive area in 1931 and is one of the original wilderness areas designated by the 1964 Wilderness Act. It includes 241,744 acres within the Klamath National Forest in Siskiyou County in California. It's about 60 miles southwest of Wairika, California, and about 48 and a half miles from Mount Shasta. 32 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail runs through the area. The Pacific Crest Trail, or the PCT, is similar to the East Coast Appalachian Trail. The PCT runs from Mex the Mexico border to the Canadian border. So Rosemary heads out with the group from the Earth Circle Organization. 
The area of the lake sits at the base of a bowl-shaped valley similar to a small volcanic crater. There's only one way in and one way out of the basin. The area of the lake that drains into the Woolly Creek has a 70-degree fall that is nearly impossible to climb. The first day of the trip, August 17th, the group arrives at the lake. They establish their camp, and Red Hawk has his ceremonial spirit dance and song after dinner. The entire group participated in the ceremony and an attempt to call the spirits into the area. The next day, August 18th, 2000, around 9 a.m., Charlie Red Hawk Tom lets the group know that the plan is to take a group hike to a nearby lake. The trip would take most of the day, though the plan was to be back by dinner. Rosemary opted to stay behind. That afternoon, Rosemary asked Red Hawk's 12-year-old son, Chalet, if he wanted to join her for a short hike to the other side of Spirit Lake, which was an area that she had not yet explored. Chalet opted to stay at camp, so Rosemary got a bagged lunch from the camp cook and along with some water, trail mix, and a journal in her day pack, she started off for the other side of Spirit Lake. She mentioned wanting to commune with her late husband's spirit. Rosemary was an experienced hiker, and along with her day pack with food, water, and snacks, she was also possibly wearing two jackets, meaning that she had the foresight to dress in layers. Officially, she was described as wearing a blue fleece shirt a blue baseball cap, and hiking boots. Around 5 p.m., Red Hawk and the other members of the retreat returned from their day hike to find that Rosemary had not yet returned to camp. A group of campers went out to get Rosemary, but they were, they were unable to find her. At this point, the decision was made to contact Search and Rescue and report a missing hiker. That night, members of the Earth Circle organization searched until about 1.30 a.m. The official search began at daybreak on August 19, 2000, which was a Saturday. It was the day the group had planned to backpack back to their vehicles and head home. There were nearly 50 searchers looking for Rosemary, and her family was notified. The search and rescue commander on Rosemary Kuntz's search was Grizz Adams, you may remember him uh, from the Carl Landers case. Grizz Adams has 35-plus years of experience working search and, rescue, search and rescue in Siskiyou County. Right from the start, there were some concerning things about Rosemary's case. First, the south end of the lake where Rosemary was headed did not have a path where someone could walk out of the lake basin. In order to leave the lake, she would need to head back to camp and walk past both the cook and Red Hawk's son, Chalet. But she never did. Another issue was her age. Rosemary was 70 years old, though she was said to be in excellent shape. They say that even a healthy, experienced 25-year-old wouldn't be able to leave the basin through the south without ropes and climbing gear. I do have an issue with mentioning her age, especially if she was the experienced hiker they said, and she was in excellent health. My mother, though she is not 70, is in far better shape than I am. We hike and backpack together, and the joke has always been that um, I'm experienced at camping. I'm a scout leader. I have camped most of my life off and on. 
well-versed in building fires, setting up camp, no problem with that. So my mom would always joke that she'd pull my ass up the mountain and I would help her with the camping know-how. Age shouldn't be an issue here because we're not talking about someone who hasn't done this before or who is a pudgy couch potato like myself. I'm not really a couch potato. I wish I could be a couch potato. I am far too busy to sit on my butt in front of the couch. But I am pudgy. So included in this search for Rosemary was a National Guard FLIR-equipped helicopter. And FLIR is uh, something that detects heat signatures. It's infrared. If you watch any of the ghost shows on television, you may have seen uh, FLIR being used. Uh, Fire departments used FLIR to find hot spots in the wall. So this would be able to find the heat signature of a person. There was also a California Highway Patrol helicopter. There were scent tracking canines and cadaver scenting canines. Ground searchers, which basically means people walking along the ground. And there were also searchers on horseback. The area where Rosemary vanished is extremely rugged, according to search and rescue coordinator Grizz Adams. He said, It is heavily wooded and covered with manzanita and alder bush and has a lot of steep gullies and is some of the nastiest but most beautiful country in Northern California. Manzanita is an evergreen shrub or small tree with smooth orange or red bark with stiff twisting branches. An alder shrub is a multi-trunked shrub that forms thickets. I had to look them up because I was unfamiliar with those. They are not something that we have here on the East Coast. During the search, they discovered what some sources call tufts of hair, about one mile south of the lake. At first, I was thinking um, a tuft of hair is pretty significant. To me, a tuft of hair is like a clump of hair. And if there were like clumps of somebody's hair found in a shrub, then to me, that almost speaks of some sort of attack of some sort. But in further research, I discovered that what they meant by that was that there were about four or five strands of hair on a shrub. A strand of hair is far different than a tuft of hair. They did say that they were able to match the hair to Rosemary using samples from the hairbrush she left back at camp. But it was noted that it isn't unusual for someone to leave behind strands of hair. It can get tangled or caught in branches or underbrush. Personally, I shed more than a shaggy dog and probably leave hair everywhere I go. I will tell you that I have this ridiculous fear that there's going to be a murder somewhere that I've been and they're going to think I'm involved because they're going to find my hair there. I know it's ridiculous, but I still worry about it. Also interesting to note is that Rosemary did not actually have long hair. She had very short cropped hair. And that makes getting her hair caught kind of an odd thought. But depending on how tall that shrubbery was, it wouldn't be unusual to maybe catch your hair a little bit and just have it naturally shed. It was noted that the temperatures at night were dropping down into the 40s. But according to Grizz Adams, that was definitely a survivable temperature. They had divers search Spirit Lake. Grizz Adams stated, Divers didn't find anything. Searching the lake was done to make sure she wasn't there. Rosemary's family also searched areas with a professional guide. This was in addition to the searchers from four counties, 
Siskiyou, Del Norte, Shasta, and Marin. I did read in one article that Rosemary's family concentrated searching areas that the official search and rescue team were not focusing on so that everywhere was covered. They were looking everywhere for her. The search was ended on uh, August 24th, 2000 at 6 p.m. with the agreement from Rosemary's children. If you remember from episode 31, Carl Lander's case, Grizz Adams noted that he doesn't end a search until the family agrees to end the search. He would have asked them, he would have talked to them about it, and at this point there really wasn't anything to go on. No foul play was suspected, and there was no belief that she harmed herself. Remember, she had invited Red Hawk's 12-year-old son to hike with her, and I don't think she would have done that if there was any notion at all that she was going to do anything, any harm to herself. There's just no evidence of anything. There's nothing to go on, Grizz Adams said. The assumption at this point is that she's not alive. The dogs never picked up on a scent, which Grizz Adams thought was highly unusual, because they knew exactly where Rosemary had been heading that day, and exactly where she had walked. Cadaver dogs never picked up a scent either. Grizz Adams was asked about the possibility of an animal attack. There are both bears and mountain lions in the Marble Mountain Wilderness, but attacks are almost unheard of. In addition, had there been an animal attack, there would have been evidence of such. There would be a defined location of the attack with blood and evidence of someone fighting for their life. Nothing like that was ever found. None of the items Rosemary had with her were ever found. No day pack, lunch, lunch bag, journal, clothing, water ball, water ball, water bottle, nothing. Nothing was found. As I mentioned in episode 31 in The Disappearance of Carl Landers, there are two cases that search and rescue coordinator Grizz Adams in his 35-plus year career claims will always bother him, and those are the disappearances of Carl Landers and Rosemary Kunst. In both of those incidents, canines never picked up a scent, and not one piece of evidence was ever found, even though in both cases they knew exactly where the people had disappeared. If you remember in Carl Landers' case, he disappeared within a quarter-mile path that there's nothing there. There there were no crevices, not really any trees, no boulders, no place to hide, no place he could get, he could have fallen and disappeared into. He was just gone. And within that stretch, that quarter mile stretch, the dogs never picked up on a scent. They never found any of his clothing. They never found anything. With Rosemary's case, it's the same thing. There is a defined path. There's no other way out of that area. You most likely are not straying from the path because of how thick the underbrush there is. These alder bushes and manzanita are very thick, much like rhododendron thickets, I would imagine, along the Appalachian Trail here on the East Coast for people who kind of want a reference. So they know that she's walking to the south side of Spirit Lake. They know the path she's taking. They know she was on that path because they did find strands of her hair that they did, that they were able to match to the hair in her brush. So they know exactly where she is. And yet, despite that, 
scent dogs can't pick up her scent. And we're not saying there was a huge gap of time. That evening, they know she's missing. They're looking for her. And at daybreak, they're, they're there searching for her. And yet there's nothing there to be found. In David Polite's book, he mentions that he was able to speak with Charlie Redhawk Tom, who was in charge of the Earth Circle organization. Redhawk confirmed that they had conducted a spirit dance at the altar the first night of the retreat, the night before Rosemary disappeared. He stated that he believed that she somehow got to a location called Devil's Back, but he never offered an explanation as to how or why, and he had no idea why she would leave the safety of Spirit Lake. So what happened to Rosemary Kunst? My guess is that we'll never really know what happened. Her family ended up having a celebration of life ceremony for her in September of that year. Basically, I have no idea. I have no idea what would happen, what, what happened to her. My first thought would be animal attack. That would be my first guess. But again, Grizz Adams, who has way more experience than I do, he's got over 35 years experience working in search and rescue and with emergency services in Siskiyou County. He's very familiar with these areas. He's had to search for people in them before. And as he said, there's not going to be, there's going to be evidence of an animal attack. If you're attacked by an animal, there's going to be blood. If you're attacked by an animal, I don't think that you're going to stand there still and quiet and not fight back. It's instinct to protect yourself, to try to get away. So there's going to be evidence of that. And you have expert trackers and searchers looking in the area and you have the dogs. So there would be some sign, something that would indicate that there was some kind of animal attack. So I have no idea what happened to her. I have no idea. In the 21 years since she disappeared, there have been no signs of her at all. Nothing has ever been found. Just like Carl Landers, nothing has ever been found to indicate what might have happened or where he may have gone. No clothing, none of the items that either either one had have ever turned up at all. So that's going to do it for this episode of Lurk. And I apologize for it being a little bit shorter than normal. We are in full holiday panic in my house right now. Basically, that just means that I'm panicking. I'm freaking out. I'm overwhelmed trying to get ready for the holiday. And uh, it happens every year. You know, because I'm the crazy person who thinks that she's going to be tied to a murder investigation because she sheds her hair all the time all over the place and they're going to find her hair and think that she's involved in it. That's just how I work. I overthink everything. So I'm actually in a cramped area of my recording space because this is the Christmas present hiding spot. Now, my son knows, so, and he doesn't listen to this anyway, so it wouldn't matter, but this is where all of the Christmas gifts are located. None of them are wrapped. Not one thing has been wrapped. I have all of my wrapping to do. So anyway, shorter episode. I wanted to get this one done, wanted to tie it into the episode we did with Carl Landers. Didn't want to put too much time between those because they are kind of uh, linked to each other. Not just because of the Mount Shasta connection, but also with the Grizz Adams connection and that these are the cases that haunt him the most. 
So as a reminder, I want you to please send me those personal paranormal stories. Send them via email at lurkpodcast at yahoo.com or through direct message on our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram accounts. I do have a few from my family that I have set up. I don't always want to have to include my family stories, so please send me some of yours. As always, you can find Lurk wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at lurkpodcast.com. And on the website, you can find links to all of our social media platforms. We also have merchandise available at lurkpodcastmerch.com. We have hoodies. We have long sleeve t-shirts. We have t-shirts. I think the logo is pretty cool, but I designed it, so I'm kind of biased. But still, it's pretty cool. Get you you some stuff. So that's going to do it. And until next time, keep lurking.